Uh, so welcome along our first guest of this evening, uh, now CEO at Sussex Cricket, but of course famous England rugby player as well. Uh, a big hello to Rob Andrew. Rob, how are you? Yeah, good evening. Yeah, very well, thank you. How are you guys? We're yeah, fine. Very Can very you hear us okay? Thank you. Yeah, very good, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So, um, yes, for uh, younger listeners out there who might just know Rob from being uh, at Sussex, um, he was, before that, for us uh, slightly more mature people, <laughs> <laughs> an absolute superstar in, in the rugby world. You're giving world. your age away, yeah. Oh, God, I am, I am. I, I, always, I always try and tell the younger ones that, that I was the bloke before Johnny Wilkinson. Yeah, you were. It was a long time ago, so, so they, they had no idea. Well, look, I think grand, Debs has got some questions. grandparents quest- normally know. Yeah. <laughs> Debs has got some questions for you on the, along those lines. But I just wanted to start off by, by taking you right back even before that. And um, I noted from doing a bit of research today that you went to Barnard Castle School. I did. How's your eyesight? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think it, I, I don't think it's ever had quite as much uh, publicity. It's a little, little market town, actually, if you want to go for a drive. And a <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah, long, long, crikey, that is a long time ago. That goes back <laughs> way, way before. Um, and actually, just I, I met Rory Underwood when we were 11 at school. All right. In the under-12s together at school. Uh, first time we played rugby together and, and ended up in the same house in the same school team and, and went on and played and quite a remarkable story as well really um, yeah, yeah Barnard Castle is very famous <laughs> everyone knows everyone knows Barnard Castle now <laughs> so yeah you that, so that was school but you went on to Cambridge uh, where you got Cambridge Blue in both rugby and cricket and you got a, I think is there a first class century in amongst all that as well uh yeah, I did. Um, I, I'm not sure whether I did any work uh, there because I, I spent all winter playing rugby and, and all summer playing cricket. Well, I, had a, I had three fantastic years, I have to say. Um, yeah, just amazing time in, in, in a period I think when you know university school. I look at things have changed over the last 25, 30 years in terms of sort of university sport. But you know, just take cricket as an example, which I sort of played in the summer, uh, captain the cricket team, and I played against the touring 85 Aussies and the touring 84 West Indian wow. cricket teams. Can you imagine that? What that <laughs> <was> like <laughs> I don't think I want to. Um, but it just, you know, just sort of, in a way, this does give my age away, just a different era. But, you know, I played against Alan Borders, 85 Aussies, um, and played against the West Indies for a combined Oxford and Cambridge team at the Parks in Oxford in 1984. Desmond Haynes, Joel Garner, and, you know, just, just as, a, as, a, as a kid out of school, doing that stuff and, and being sport mad, which I am, um, and watching the, watching the West Indies on the telly now, you know, just, just incredible experiences, to be honest. Yeah, and I think you're right, and I think... Um Sporters, I mean, not just education in the university, but sport as a whole has moved on a hell of a long way since uh, the days you're talking about, hasn't it? I mean, you know, I was, uh, you know, I've, I've had a career in the city and uh, it was quite uh, quite a common thing to bump into people like Peter Winterbottom and Eric, Peterson, uh, Eric Peters, um, yeah. who had jobs there when they weren't playing rugby. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, again, sort of this generation or not just this generation but you know we all played our international sport as, as the rugby players in the late 80s early 90s as amateurs yeah you know so that England team of Will Carling and Rory Underwood and 
Jerry Guskin, Brian Moore, Winterbottom, you know, all of those, all of those guys, Skinner. Dean Richards. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just, you know, we all had jobs. And we trained <laughs> on a Thursday night. And we were lucky enough, you know, we had to play for Wasps or Harlequins or, you know, Toulouse, Saracens, Blackheath, wherever we were in London. Um, and we were the lucky ones that, that went on and played international rugby for, you know, for a 10 year period. But, but as amateurs, you know, it, it was just, and you take that now to some of the modern rugby players and they just look at you as if, you, as if you're mad um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to hold down a job. And, you know, look, it was an amateur sport uh, across the world. So it was, it was all relative, wasn't it, as to what we were doing. But we were still playing in World Cups, playing in front of 60,000, 70,000 people them during the Five Nations or whatever. So actually looking looking at that now, for myself, I've interviewed quite a lot of rugby players about life after rugby. Mm. Would you therefore say you are actually in a much better position than them? Because you presumably had your career on the go before you finished playing rugby? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's quite an interesting one for, for all modern sports people who, who ultimately have to commit everything to the sport because the standards of professionalism are so much, you know, they are so much higher than they were. We thought we were training hard and we thought we were pretty good. You know, we did our best, but but we weren't full-time athletes. Um, but you're right, We we our priority was actually getting a job. Our priority was our non-rugby life, if you if you like, because because that that's what we had to do. There was no money in the sport. Uh, but what it did do, and looking back on it now, it just prepared us for life after our playing careers. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges for for young sports people now um, is how do they prepare themselves for what is going to come afterwards? And I think that's really difficult. Um, and, and, and it's hard for them to sort of get their heads around it as, you know, young 20 20 mid 20s to, to work out that actually this isn't going to last forever because they all think it, it will um, and there's a lot of life left once you once you can't you know you can't play sport at the top level and of course rugby you're, you're actually I mean I interviewed Will Skinner actually um, uh-huh. and he lifted the trophy with Harlequins and then in the May and I think the very next uh, game in September he had his career finishing injury yeah luckily he'd yeah. been doing a business degree so it was actually yeah. quite well set up. It's, it's it's hugely important, and I think all sports try. You know, the players' associations across across all the sports um, really try hard to make the players understand. And actually, ex-players are probably the best at selling the message. Those that have actually gone on and, and either struggled, which a lot do, yeah. um, or have done, you know, have moved on and transitioned into their sort of new life they're i think they're the best ambassadors to go back to young professionals and and give them the message because a lot of the time they they don't really want to hear it from the players associations or or the directors of cricket or rugby or chief executives they sort of just they just look at you and go yeah right um but actually when they've got some ex-players who come back and say you know this is really tough and you you need to think about it and prepare for it which uh, which I think is happening a lot more but it's still it's still not easy I would hope so. I have to know so I now have to ask you having looked at your background so your top first class score was 101 interestingly against Nottinghamshire 
What made you play rugby over cricket, professional? Well, at the higher level. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't really a very good cricketer. Really? Better than anybody else. You did all right against Nottinghamshire. <laughs> Yeah, no, but those those that know played with me and against me will know that my uh, hopes of a professional cricket career wouldn't have lasted very long. Um, <laughs> so, so I um, and, and actually, you know, rugby sort of came along. Um, and again, this is another one of those bizarre situations. So I I was still in my final year at university at Cambridge when I was first played for England. So mm. I played in the Five Nations because it, it, it was the Five Nations then, yeah. back in the mid-80s. Italy yeah. weren't part of it until 2000. And my final year at university, um, I, in the in the February-March of 85, I was in my final year at Cambridge and was picked to play in the Five Nations. So one minute, you know, I'm in the bar at the college, at St. John's College in Cambridge with my university mates, and then the next minute I'm playing for England at Twickenham in the Five yeah. Nations. And... and you know, it, it was just a different different world. Um, so I was already playing international rugby whilst whilst still at university. That's quite incredible. So, uh, what, what your you obviously played for Wasps for many years, but with an interlude interludes for a year there. How did that happen? Um, yeah, again, it was it was um, one of those situations that came up just through meeting people. Um, w- w- one of the French international coaches, a very famous French player called Pierre Villepreux, who played fullback for France and was a very famous coach of uh, Toulouse and, and the, the French international team. He, he used to come over and do a little bit of coaching with the England team in the late 80s. Um, and, and just through coincidence, you know, we, we were chatting and I always fancied playing in France, French mm. club rugby, the big French teams of... It's massive in in the southwest of France. Um, it's a great part of the world. It's and funny I, that why why France don't play their home games down there because in Paris and sort of that, that the north of the country, it's, rugby's not such a big thing. I mean, you're right. Um, the southwest of France is, is is crazy, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely you know all the way down you know the, the west coast and, and down into the middle where Toulouse is, then across to Perpignan, and, and Toulon is obviously on the south south coast, just past Marseille. Rugby's a religion. It's, I mean, it's bigger mm. than football in that part of France. Uh, obviously, the football in, in Lyon and, and Paris is, is massive. But yeah. it was just, yeah, one of those things I just fancied uh, doing, and I got the opportunity uh, to go and play uh, in, in Toulouse, which is one of the biggest clubs in France. Um, again, still in the amateur era, so I, I managed to persuade my uh, employer and again, you know, you talked about working in the city and a lot of rugby players worked in property uh, in, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and then I managed to persuade um, my my employer to sort of second me uh, <laughs> to our sister company in France, who just happened to have an office in Toulouse. Um, oh, wow. 12 months so that I could um, experience playing rugby for, for Toulouse, which again was just a, an amazing personal experience. And and obviously playing experience as well Fantastic. yeah amazing Rob we are a cricket show so I suppose we best bring it back, back to cricket <laughs> sorry <laughs> um, county season starts on the 1st of August how are your preparations going and uh, do you still have any idea what the fixtures might be yet well yeah, I mean what a bizarre summer isn't it I mean what a you know, bizarre in sporting terms everywhere you know watching 
Premier League football and watching the test match on the telly with nobody there and trying to rescue a, a domestic cricket season. You know, it's been it's been so tough for everybody at lots of levels. So we are, we, we're nearly there. I think we're, we're, we're now, the fixtures, uh, we're waiting uh, for the final fixture list of the four-day games to come out, uh, hopefully next week. First uh, of August start for the four-day truncated season, obviously. We're just trying to rescue what we can in August and September, uh, and then hopefully have a, you know, have a T20 blast in, in September as well. Just, you know, the problem with cricket, once you go past the end of September, you're pretty cooked, really. That's, yeah, that's it, yeah. isn't it? You know, so just trying to rescue something from what has been a, a terrible, well, it's a terrible period for everybody, really. Um, and sport, sport, as much as anything, you know, been hit pretty hard. Rob, have you had any guidance yet whether crowds might be allowed in? Because obviously we're now seeing the first at the end of July. Uh, Goodwood's going to have some race goers in, aren't they? Capped at five. Is there any way to actually be able to get some people in to watch the cricket? Yeah, look, there is, there's no uh, notification as yet, but but clearly, you know, we'd love that. Of course we would. Um, you know, that's obviously something that all sports want back, whether you're race goers or, or football, cricket, rugby, you know, whatever. Um, so we, we we don't know. We just we're hopeful, and we're sort of. I think in a way, that's one of the reasons we tried to push the blast, the T Twenty competition, back into September. We pushed that as late as we could, so that in the hope that by then, you know, we might be able to have some some kind of crowds because it's although it's great to have live sport back. Uh, you know, it is odd, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's mm. not, oh, yeah. not quite the same as watching when you've got full houses at football matches or you know test matches in this country. So, so it'd be it'd be great to have have some fans back in before the end of the summer. Talking of uh, the blast, uh, the Sussex Sharks look like you've got a really decent T Twenty squad assembled for this year, um, and I bet you can't wait to get going. So, Laurie Evans, who's appeared on this show. Um, has really matured into quite the T20 specialist. Um, Chris Jordan, Jofra, and someone called Ravi Bapara. I don't. I don't yes. Know. <laughs> yeah. I don't you mention, for Essex, don't mention that too loud. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. <laughs> it's 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 a it's a great looking side. Yeah. Look, we we sort of. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think it's been by design. I think the last couple of years we've just ended up. We've got Tamal Mills. Well, of course. Um, Rashid Khan has played for us in the last two summers as well. You know, we've ended up with a with you know what looks like a, a pretty useful T20 side, almost a, nearly a franchise T20 mm. side. Um, we, we fell short in the in the quarterfinal last year. We got to the final stage two years ago and fell short both occasions to Worcestershire. Actually, uh, we got taken apart by. Uh, Moen Ali um, in in the quarter final last year he scored the most incredible hundred. Um, but yeah, it, it, we have got a, a good side and the T Twenty competition. You know, across a lot of the sides, there's some some good players. It's a good competition. Uh, we managed to um, uh, we managed to prize Ravi um, down to the south coast. Boom. Um, yeah, boom for me as well. He, he's got a great you know he's a great a white ball and red ball player. So. Well, yeah, we, we're always we're hopeful. Uh, we've not been quite so good in the uh, in the four day competition. Uh, not quite as uh, as efficient as Essex in that regard. They've been brilliant. Um, 
but yeah, we're just looking forward. Look, I think at the moment, everybody would just wants to get some cricket played. It was great to see yeah. some of the um, recreational games being played last weekend, uh, just seeing people actually on cricket grounds. Um, so yeah, it'd be lovely just to, to rescue something from from what has been a pretty desperate summer so far. Is there any update on um, Jason Gillespie returning? For because uh, I know he's been uh, quarantining down in Australia. Um, how are you getting on with uh, with getting him back up to to England? Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's planning. So we're expecting him back next week. All right, okay. So he's uh, he's allowed uh, to travel out of Australia. Um, so yeah, the, the sort of logistics and, and paperwork. But, um, we expect we expect Dizzy back next week um, to sort of oversee. Obviously, the players have been back in training um, for a while with all counties now. Sort of certainly late since late June, early you know early July to, to try and get ready. So he'll be back taking the helm for for August and, and September. So we're just hoping that that goes smoothly and we get we get some decent weather uh, as well. We've um we've seen your new T Twenty kit, um, and we, we, we've been sent Knotts' training kit as well. There's we're, a bit yeah, we're a, models. There's a bit of a who can have the loudest kit competition season going on, isn't there? <laughs> well, you, you know what happens when you let marketeers get out. Um, whether it's whether it's the marketing team. Just tell them to send the two double XL shirts up, and we'll uh, we'll we'll model them like we did for Knotts. Yeah. <laughs> and their sales went through the roof after we put our pictures on the, our social media. <laughs> oh no, they're uh, no, they yeah, they uh, yeah, the 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 pink one I think is quite quite loud, isn't it? But hey, Brett's favourite. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll send you a pink one. Yeah. Now, before we let you go, um, we must talk about um, the splendid work you do. Apart from everything else that you're busy with, with with the Lord's Taverners, and you're a great supporter and. Um, uh, just tell us about how you got involved and, and, and what it means to you as a charity. Yeah, I've, I've been involved actually for a long time. I've been a Lord's Heaven member for about 20 odd years. Yeah. Um, sort of played, um, again, I, you know, a lot of people may not know this, but as, as you mentioned earlier, my sort of love of cricket is, is as strong as my love of rugby always has been um, from back school days. Um, so, yeah, when I, when I was playing rugby, uh, for England, I just I got involved with the Taverners, um, play matches for them. I still try and play now, um, and, and just the work they do, you know, particularly around disability cricket. They do a, a lot of work in that area. Uh, table cricket is a massive program around the country uh, where severely disabled children can play uh, team sport with their schoolmates. Um, you know, playing on what they call. Uh, tabletop cricket on top of a, a table tennis table. We host uh, regional finals in in Hove, as as do all the counties. And these school kids get a chance to win regional finals and get a trip up to Lords to play at you know the, the national finals at Lords. That's just one example of of some of the great work that the Taverners do, just around trying to find ways of giving disadvantaged and 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 disabled children a chance to get involved in sport which you know we, we are so lucky and so privileged to be able to do what what we do um, and to be able to give something back to, to people who are far far less fortunate than us and it's there's some great people involved in it it's a lot of fun as well I won't deny that you know some good, uh, good nights out and some good cricket matches with um, one or two of the old the old guard of you know Andy Caddick and Paul yeah. Pritchard and 
like Gladstone Small and people like that who get involved Mr. in Gower. the charity as well. It's got it's just a it's just a wonderful charity. And and Mervyn Ramsey as well is uh, one of the great uh, yeah, stalwarts. And, and one of the great. Uh, uh, I was just about to mention <laughs> Merv. Now Merv's, Merv's the commercial director at the tavern is, and you know puts a huge amount into programmes. Um, and yeah, it, it's a it's full of it's been going along seventieth. I mean that's just a quite sad thing for the Taverners this year. It's the seventieth birthday of the Taverners, so obviously a lot of the plans, big seventieth birthday. Um, have obviously been put on on hold a little bit because of what's going on, uh, but I'm sure we'll bounce back during the, and into next year. And actually, we have got some cricket matches lined up for September, so we'll we'll hopefully get out there and get some old creaking bodies uh, walking around <laughs> cricket pitches because that's all we do now. <laughs> Well, we all look forward to that, and um, let's look forward to seeing Sussex back in action uh, in the near future. Um, Rob, thank you so much for giving up your time to talk to us this evening. Uh, really entertaining and quite interesting to hear uh, some, some of your, your your events from your illustrious career, and I think you've got a lot more to come still, so um, we will be watching carefully. And uh, it's double uh, XL and pink for Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <Don't forget>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rob, go well. And uh, take care. Take care. Many Cheers. thanks. Bye. Cheers.